A Spanish team that keeps the ball really well, plays beautiful football, but lacks a cutting edge. A German side that's physically strong, smart on the counter, and has a rock-solid goalkeeper. Where have we heard all this before? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Women's Euros Only Better. Well, England, after their extraordinary 8-0 win over Norway, know that they will face either Spain or Denmark in the quarterfinals. Those two face off in a Group B decider in Brentford on Saturday night. I'll be going to that, thoroughly looking forward to it. And uh, so is Abigail Davis, who's been putting up some massive winners on our website, betting.betfair.com. Abby, you are absolutely flying. A 5-1 to one winner on Austria to beat Northern Ireland 2-0 in the correct score market. Beth Mead to score for England against Norway, and she obliged with a hat-trick on top of that. It's all going rather well. It's not going too badly. It's almost like I know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't say completely, oh. but it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. I've managed to survive ages on this show without knowing what I'm talking about. So, you know, if you're going to bring some actual knowledge to the table, you'll be showing me up. Um, I went to that Germany-Spain game on Tuesday and it was a, a really interesting game because Spain looked brilliant. There were lots of ooh and ah moments, but they didn't regularly look like scoring. They had some chances, but Germany kind of sucker punched them really a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, I actually watched the highlights of that game because I was at the Finland-Denmark game, so I was travelling home whilst that was on. So I've, I've watched the highlights of it, and I think a typical Germany performance can be summed up in the highlights, can't they? You know, clinical, they were ruthless, defensively, solid, resilient. And we said coming into this tournament that their performances at this stage of the competition would be an indication of how close they are or how ready they are to dominate the world of women's football again. And I think they're showing off a bit, aren't they, whilst giving us the answer to that question because, yeah, they're incredibly impressive and and they are the complete package at the moment, which, as you said at the top of the show, where have we heard that before? And we all know what that means for everyone else in the tournament. Through the sea of people trying to get away from the Brentford Community Stadium, I spotted uh, broadcaster and presenter Eleanor Lee, delighted to say Eleanor, uh, joins us once again. Eleanor, it was really interesting. Spain, the pre-tournament favourites, we talked about them. We've talked about the injury to Alexia Puteas, which is obviously hugely damaging. They don't have Jenny Hermoso either. And from the back to the front, it was fine. But once they got towards the penalty area, it was all a bit tepid and all a bit timid, wasn't it? It really was. And it was that first half was an absolute Spanish spectacle, apart from the lack of goals. It was really nice to watch how they kept the ball, how they moved it about the pitch. It was a really kind of classic. I mean, we've said it's a said it's a classic German performance. It was a classic Spanish performance, really, in terms of keeping the ball, moving it about the communication. But Germany did so well to frustrate them. Um, and, and, and Spain just, they weren't clinical enough. And they, they were almost trying to walk into a goal. And when you're playing Germany, that plan doesn't really, really work. But there was almost going into the second half, like, a stubbornness from Spain 
they weren't going to change it even yeah. when they realized that it wasn't going right. Um, there's only so many times you can try, like I've just said, to to walk it into the goal and, and to do that. And that clearly wasn't going to work. And I think within half an hour, everybody in the Brentford Community Stadium could have told you that that plan wasn't going to work against this Germany side. So the fact that they didn't really change their game plan, yeah, it was almost a hint of stubbornness from, from the manager and... and he wanted to stick to his wage, which sometimes does pay off. But that 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 silly mistake early on that gifted Germany that goal it, it set the tone, and it was quite obvious that it was going to be one of those nights for Spain. Yeah, but if we look at that game between Spain and Denmark, it's really interesting because it is effectively a playoff to see who will play England in the quarterfinals. Denmark know that they've got to win it. They are the outsiders here, twelve to one to win the match, but they beat Finland hard going but they got the job done Pinilla Harder got the goal they did get to the final five years ago so this is not a complete walkover for Spain by any means No it's not at all but it was a match yesterday where Denmark's build at play in particular was superior throughout the match but both sides in particular Denmark left a lot to be desired in front of goal for much of the match and until Peniel Harder, who else was it going to be? You know, Denmark's all-time top goal scorer. She pops up with what could be a crucial goal because, as you said, it has kept them alive in Group B. Um, of course, they'll need to win. I think Spain, you know, they obviously just need the draw. But I think this is going to be a match where both sides, they have to go for the win. You can't just sit back and expect that a point is going to be enough. But it's interesting because Brune, who, of course, came into this tournament in such impressive form, I think it was 13 goals in her previous 10 games for Denmark. But at times I almost forgot that she was on the pitch against Finland. She really, really struggled to have any impact on the game at all. And, you know, the one slight concern for Denmark would of course be that Harder was taken off five minutes from time following a head collision so of course they'll be hoping that she's fit and ready to go again and that it was just precautionary but it's actually the first time I've seen Penilla Harder in the flesh I've not actually seen her play at club level and my god she really is one of those players that you just benefit so much from watching life. She is, yeah. you know, of course, we all know she's at her best when given that free role and just watching her movement both on and off the ball, it's just joyous. And I don't think you you can fully get that from watching on TV. It's just when you see her and when the camera probably isn't on her, those little pockets of space that she finds, the way she picks out a pass about half an hour before anyone else on the pitch has spotted that it's on, you know, and a number of dangerous deliveries in from the right-hand side as well. I think, as I said, you know, the build-up play at times was so, so good from Denmark. But when you look at their front line, I think, and I thought certainly in the first half yesterday, where it looked at times like they could be on for a second successive match without scoring a goal, and you look at their front line, they should be producing more. You know, they were nowhere near clinical yeah. enough. And I think when you look at the goal scorers they've got in there, they how are they only getting Finland defended well they did defend very very well but the way they struggled to unpick that defense that is a huge concern I think maybe they'll find it easier against a Spanish side who you know they're gonna create they'll have those gaps a little bit more and I think it will be a little bit more open but 
yeah, there are there are certainly concerns for a Denmark front line that I expected more from. Yeah, given that Spain uh, haven't had much of a cutting edge, given the fact that Denmark, I agree with you, Abby. I, I thought Nadia and Nadim gave them something, certainly in the early part of the game, but it was only a brilliant save at the end, actually, that guaranteed that Denmark won that game in the end. Eleanor, we're going to talk a lot more about England in the next show. But the truth is, they're already through. They're through as group winners. So they have the luxury of knowing, right, we've either got Spain or we've got Denmark. If we look at that England-Spain matchup, Spain will want lots of the ball. I get the feeling that England will just say, fine, you have the ball. And then when we press and we turn it over, that's when we'll get you. Exactly. I mean, I know we're going to we're gonna come on and speak about England a lot later, but you just have to look at us the other day. And, and when we are given those opportunities and when we do want to jump on the counter and, and nick that ball and find those, find those pockets of space, then we are at our very best and we were the other day. So if Spain, look, we all know that Spain keep the ball well. We all know the way that Spain are going to play. Um, but God, what an exciting matchup I think that would be between England and Spain. And I fancy us. I do fancy yeah. England. Yeah. Whether we come up against Denmark or Spain, I'm not not writing them off at all. I'm not going to say it's it's an easy one. Um, it should never be easy when you get to that stage in a in a major tournament. But I, I we play the way we played the other day, um, and yeah, I would put all my money on England. <laughs> Yeah, Germany, a team that England will be able to avoid, at least for now. And there were question marks before the tournament, but they hammered the Danes 4-0. They've beaten Spain 2-0. I thought what was really interesting, Eleanor, actually, about that game was the press because Clara Bula scored a very, very good early goal. I think she's a terrific player. I saw her at youth level and she looked a great finisher and she showed that uh, against Spain. But the thing you get, again, from being in the stadium, and this sounds very basic, but physically, Germany are incredibly strong. Incredibly strong. Hagering looked as though she could have kept a clean sheet for, for hours and hours and hours. And Lena Oberdorf, there was, there was a challenge in the second half that I think we all looked at each other and thought, oh, that's going to be a red, I think. She got away with a yellow. But they don't mess around. They are physically very strong and very well organised. So strong. And... The, the communication was so well. I, I know you just said about organisation. They, they were talking to each other. And the thing is, they were tested. They were tested a lot. This this wasn't um, this wasn't a game whereby they could just kind of, yeah, sit back a, a, and almost relax a little bit. Spain were on them for almost 90 minutes. Yeah. But they didn't look like they didn't look like they were worried. They had that, not just that strength, but that mental strength as well, that confidence. And you saw it on the touchline as well. And you saw the rest of the team getting behind them. And God, they're such a physical, strong team. And I think that's what upset Spain. And you could see as the game went on, especially in that second half, how frustrated Spain were getting. And it was like, we're trying everything here. We're trying everything we know and nothing is breaking them down. So I think they've really cemented themselves now, Germany, as, yeah, we're going to go on and we're going to make waves in this tournament because last week we were we were not so sure. We were we said it's a youthful team. It's some, a, a team perhaps not with as much experience. But yeah, they're really cementing themselves as ones to watch in this tournament. And I think it's going to be exciting for them going forward. Abby, at time of recording, if we look at the the outrights, Germany 4.9 
to win the tournament. So just behind the likes of England and France, but not behind by much. They know they've got either Austria or Norway in the last eight. They'll feel that that's a winnable game. They were able to beat Spain without Lea Schuler, who's arguably their best forward. She's out with COVID-19. And at the other end of the pitch, there was a lot of debate about Merle Froome's getting the, the goalkeeper's gloves because there are some very, very experienced and quality alternatives. She hasn't had loads to do, but what she's done, she's done very, very well. Absolutely. But on that point, I just want to pick up on the Finnish goalkeeper because last night, or at the time of recording, on Tuesday night, sorry, should I say, that she pulled off one save. You mentioned Nadim and Honestly, everyone in the stadium thought it was in because yeah. she just... And she is so crucial. She's probably Finland's most crucial player, I'd say, aside from Hiranen, who, you know, they were dealt a blow as well because um, she was ruled out on the day of the match through COVID, which unfortunately is, you know, becoming a more prominent issue within this tournament. I'm not saying that Finland would have gone on to win that game against Denmark had she been playing, but we all know how crucial she is to their setup and the way that they attack in particular down that right-hand side. So it's it's incredibly unfortunate to see the way that COVID is impacting this tournament. Of course, Vivian Miedemar is yeah. now out as well. But yeah, Coppola in that Finland goal, she pulled off some incredible saves. One in the first half in particular to deny Nadim, as I said, who she was convinced herself that the ball was going into the bottom left corner because she'd started reeling away celebrating. But the way she got down to like just claw it out, essentially. It was absolutely superb. So, yeah, it's going to be a battle of two terrific goalkeepers, isn't it, in that one? But I think I think Germany will get the job done. They've got the same luxury, of course, as England in terms of, you know, do you start your strongest eleven in that match? And I yeah. know we'll get on to talking about that when we discuss England a bit more, but it is a very interesting dynamic that you find yourself with at this stage of the tournament when of course there are just 16 teams involved and these games come around so so quickly it is an interesting one that, that I'm sure we'll discuss further later. Yeah Rausch and Oberdorf are already suspended I think for that one having picked up a couple of yellow cards each and so Abby you've seen Finland firsthand Germany obviously are going to be really heavy favourites for this final group game they can rotate. They don't need to play anywhere near their first team. So do you think, from a betting perspective, if we're looking at it, do we think Finland can maybe, if we gave them a couple of goals with a head start, do we think they could dig in and maybe only lose 1-0 or 2-0 or something like that, maybe? I think possibly possibly 1-0. I think they were very impressive defensively. And for long spells, it was so, so difficult for Denmark to break through. And as much as I was praising Penilla Harder and everything she was doing to try and unlock that defence, it just wasn't working. And that was for a number of reasons, but one of them was how resolutely Finland defended. And I think the way that they were breaking up play in the middle of the park, you know, they've got a couple of players now who are breaking through who are a bit younger, which is something we haven't always been able to say about this Finnish squad. Um, I think that, yes, they could... I don't see them really frustrating and threatening too much, to be honest. But I do think that they could, at the other end of the pitch, maybe just set up camp and, and try and nullify the threat of Germany. 
Yeah, it might be worth looking at uh, giving Finland a couple of goals start on the Asian handicap. Remember, you can check out the Betfair Boost, where you can boost the odds on our already boosted Euro selections each day of the tournament with the tokens in your bet slip. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gambleaware.org. It's time to talk about France. Abby, get yourself ready about Corinne Diacre. We're going to talk about her in just a moment. Eleanor, I'll start with you, though. The French... Absolutely demolished Italy 5-1. I did not see that coming. I thought Italy would make it tough for them. I thought they'd, they'd win, but it would be tricky. But they blew them away. And Grace Gioro, who I think people will look at it and think, oh, well, she must be a striker. No, she's a midfielder. And usually on the more defensive end of things, I think she'd only scored eight goals in 49 caps before that game. Suddenly, she's playing like a prime box-to-box midfielder. It's really funny because me and Abby sat here last week, didn't we? And we were like, oh, France, we don't see that. We don't see them doing much. We really, really, (laughs) all three of us really went into them, didn't they? So this result really surprised me. But look, I don't want to take anything away from France um, because they played really, really well. Italy looked disorganised, I thought, at the back. There was a lack of communication. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those French goals could have easily been prevented if they were just talking to one another or or knowing what's going on, knowing where each other were. But like I said, I don't want to take anything away from France because they looked threatening. Um, They looked really good. Can we just say what a goal from Cascarina? I mean, that was just... Brilliant. But that's a classic example of what you're talking about because I don't think even she could believe that she was able to cut in off the left and have so much space on the edge of the box. It's a brilliant finish, but a a defence that's playing well is not going to allow that space. No, they almost, like I said, France played well. Italy made them look like they played better. Um, so I think, I mean, I wasn't expecting that really poor of a performance from Italy. So they're going to have to to regroup and, and look at themselves. But well done, France. They've proved us wrong. Who else have they proved wrong? Well, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. I've said from the first pod that Corinne <laughs> Diacre knows what she's doing. What a manager. Yeah. Leaving out Henri last summer. Inspired decision, inspired decision. And I've said it from day, I'm only joking. Of course I'm joking. But what I will say is I know I've spoken in particular about, you know, how much they're going to implode during this tournament. I actually, when I went to pick up my accreditation for this tournament, um, the day before my, my first game, went to Rotherham. As I'm arriving at the stadium, I'm walking down to, I'm walking down to the entrance. The French team are getting off the team bus. I honestly didn't know where to put myself. I know they probably haven't heard my comment, but I still didn't want to look them in the eye because I felt that Corinne Diacre could probably eradicate me from some squad that I'm not even part of. Yeah, you, but... do, you, you are sacked now, Abby. I, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, got the call yeah, from Corinne. Yeah, You're yeah. out. You're gone. <laughs> they were pointing were at each of... other going, oh, that Abby. We know yeah. her. We yeah, know yeah, what yeah. she said. Well, Abby was trying to cause uh, problems between the players. She was going behind them whispering in her excellent French, uh, just trying to kind of, oh, she thinks she smells, things like that, just trying to cause trouble. Um But actually, all joking aside, actually what you've said and what we've said could still hold true. It's one game. And we've seen this before with French sides, with other sides. You can start the tournament well. If you're not a unit, if there are simmering tensions there, as much as you can do interviews and say, no, no, everybody thinks that, you know, we don't get on. But actually, we really do. When the pressure's really on, when there's a quarterfinal against Sweden or the Netherlands, that's when we'll find out, I think, really. They've got this game against Belgium next, Eleanor. 
I, I was kind of amazed to see Gioro priced at 3.2 to score. That's still quite a chunky price. I know that we didn't think she was going to be this offensive weapon going into the tournament, but the way she was given license to break forward from that midfield three, there's no reason they're going to put the brakes on here, is there? No, exactly. They've they've seen how well it can work. They've seen how how well she can kind of work in that position, and and with the team working around her that way. So so why would why would they change that? You think um, this one's all all going to be about how how Belgium set up. They're going to watch those highlights and and look at just how wrong it went for Italy and be like, well, we can't. They they'll learn from that and they know that they can't give France that much space and they'll see the way Cascarino was was almost allowed to just let through. Just walk past by the yeah. <laughs> Italian defence. Just just have a go. Go on, we don't mind. Um, so th- they'll be learning from that. And I think it will be all about how Belgium set up and whether they allow France um, that freedom, really, to play, the, to play the way they played the other day. Because if they don't, France are going to struggle. And that's when we could see perhaps it fall apart a little bit, a little bit more of that frustration. I think it worked so well because they were given that freedom. They weren't aggravated enough by Italy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also depends on whether they've remembered that they all actually hate each other. That that could <laughs> that could certainly play a part. Remind I, them. Yeah, absolutely. But Kev, I think that was such a good point about, you know, even France are capable of looking harmonious and things can look blissful because when things are straightforward, it's quite easy to do that, isn't it? But then, you know, I think I think we did say whilst we were very critical, I think we said that they should get through this group very comfortably. And, you know, we stand by that, of course, but it is the quarterfinals for me where they will struggle because if they come up against a Sweden side that can be tough to break down, that will cause all sorts of issues, especially down that right-hand side, you know, a Netherlands side that, of course, Viv Miedemar, we don't know what she'll be like when she returns, if she if she will be straight up to after match fitness. But if she puts in a performance like her second half performance in in the Netherlands opener, I I think that's where France start to to question each other. You know, if yeah. if there is that bit of disharmony when you've got two centre halves who haven't really got much to do, of course they can be best mates on the pitch. But when you've then got a ball that one player hasn't gone for, the other player thinks the other player should have gone for it. That, I think, is where we start to see that fragile relationship really come into the fore. But, and, you know, Eleanor touched upon it, how Belgium play will be crucial. But I watched their their opener. I was there in Manchester for that. And I think what impressed me, to be honest, in that game was Iceland and the way they pressed yeah. Belgium. Um, I think that was incredibly impressive. I thought Iceland did a, a good job of playing and pressing, sorry, high up the pitch. And I think at times, Belgium's forwards looked incredibly frustrated because they weren't able to control the game. They weren't able to advance into dangerous areas with the regularity that they so often do and that they so often like to do. They weren't finding, you know, those little pockets of space frequently enough because Iceland weren't allowing them the time in possession to do that and they were hurrying them. So we all know that they have a potent attack, (laughs) well, Look at the forwards they're going to be coming up against, I know. But to me, in that in Belgium's opener, it was Iceland who were the ones who yeah. dictated proceedings. They were the ones who who dominated and really set the tempo in that in that game. And I think 
to me, that showed that Belgium are quite easy to manipulate and they're yeah. quite easy to to manage, if you like, because Iceland just from the off just pressed really high up the pitch and Belgium didn't have the answers. Well, Tessa Woolart in their, their interview afterwards said in the first half they had no depth to the game. They couldn't get in behind. They couldn't really get their flow. It was only in the second half when they were able to do that. And even then, as you know, I mean, they didn't really create a huge amount of chances and probably Iceland should have won it. Abby, can you see goals in this? Can you see both teams to score or maybe over two and a half goals here? Obviously, France might do a lot of the heavy lifting in that regard, but I could see maybe Belgium sneaking something because I thought the French actually lost concentration a bit in that second half against Italy. Yeah, and I think, you know, all credit to Italy for the way they came out in the second half, if I'm honest, because their heads, unlike, unlike Norway, their heads didn't drop and they did still try and make things happen. Of course, it didn't come off, but at least they, they, you know, they were trying to influence the game a bit. But I'd say over 2.5 goals. I'm yeah. not overly confident Belgium will get on the score sheet, but I think over 2.5 is a, is a very decent bet. And as you said, France will be the ones who are mopping that one up for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they uh, they looked explosive uh, in that game. Diani looked really good down the right, actually, and I think she's 3.5 in the anytime assist market. So that's worth a look as well. The other game on Thursday in Group DC's Italy, as we've spoken about, try and bounce back against Iceland. Italy, the heavy favourites here, 2.18 on the Betfair exchange to win. Iceland, 3.5. Eleanor, as we've said, Iceland played pretty well against Belgium. For a team with the record they have in these international tournaments. It was quite impressive, wasn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. And Abby's, Abby's just touched on how how well Iceland kind of pressed Belgium and frustrated them. And if Italy come out and play against them, like they played against France in the first half, I, I think the Italian side are going to struggle again because you've got, they looked very vulnerable. And then you've got this, this tight knit, this is very kind of well understood Icelandic team and they're they're going to break Italy down, and and Italy are going to struggle against them. They come out looking like they did in the in the second half against France with a little bit more confidence and play with that belief. And um, then perhaps it's going to be a more equal game. But I I fancy Iceland to to make a bit of an upset here because they've I think they've really got it in them to and they'll be they'll be prying on the fact that God look at how Italy played um, yeah. the other day and 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 they'll use that and. The Icelandic team, they don't they don't lack confidence. They've got that strong mentality that can push them forward and that strong mentality with that strong physicality. Um, yeah, I think they're really going to give Italy a game. Jon Stottir, the uh, Wolfsburg forward, looked really, really good. She's three on the sportsbook to either get a goal or an assist, which I thought uh, was quite a, a catchy price, really. Abby, again, you've seen them firsthand. You saw Jon Stottir. I think she was player of the game, wasn't she, uh, after that match? They do pose a bit of a threat going forward. Yeah, I mean, I was incredibly impressed, but I think it speaks volumes that as soon as the final whistle went on Sunday a number of the Icelandic players just dropped to the floor yeah. because they knew that the three points should have been theirs. And Jonas Dottir was one of those players because they had the upper hand for large spells in that match. And she in particular looked such a threat down that left-hand side. I think we'd spoke about her in the build-up to the match and, and how crucial she, she could be to their success in this tournament. And, you know, occasionally she she switched to the right and 
Belgium's fullbacks just could not handle her. Her pace, her power, her trickery. She got the better of their, their right back on a number of occasions. And it got to the point where I didn't even want to make eye contact with uh, Bel- with Belgium's right back because I just felt so, so sorry for her because she was being done time and time and time again. The way that Jan Stottis, she was just, she'd cut inside. She'd take it to the byline. You know, you just didn't know what she was going to do. She was thinking very, very quickly. The the problem she had, her her final ball, her end product, just let her down quite a few times. Early on in the match, she did. She was out wide on the left-hand side. And if this had gone in, she would have claimed it was intentional. But she put a cross into the box and it required the keeper to tip it over the crossbar. But there was no way it was intentional. Nobody ever doesn't claim that. (laughs) But I'm totally with you both on this. I I actually think Iceland are winning it. I've actually written down in my very limited notes... Iceland are five to two to win that one because I, I, I genuinely I'm going to put a fiver on it. Wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff, and given the form that Abby is in, <laughs> that is worth listening to. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Women's Euros Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Show primarily about England coming up, so listen. Uh, out for that one lots of other content as well right now on our betfair podcast network we've got politics only better there's a fair bit going on in politics at the moment i don't know if you've noticed uh cricket only better racing only better check us out on social at betfair or at betfair racing or simply go to betfair.com it's golf's open championship this week we've got unrivaled coverage on our website betting.betfair.com from eleanor from abby and from me it's goodbye for now